This is The Fit Mess, conversations with world-class experts in the fields of mental, physical, and emotional health. In this episode... It seems as though that the success formula for most people in the United States is build up a successful business and then fit life into what's available. And we do the exact opposite. We say, no, we're going to live life and we're going to build and design a business to fit into what's left. Now here are your hosts, Zach and Jeremy. Are you living for today or are you living for someday? Are you putting off the life of your dreams when you could be living that way right now? We'll try to help you learn how in our conversation this week with Steve Cook. He is the author of Life and Air, An Uncommon Approach to Wealth, Success, and Prosperity. Zach, the conversation we're about to have, I think, resonates or should resonate with so many people, particularly in a, in a Western culture where we're constantly keeping up with the Joneses, constantly living for someday instead of living for today. Yeah, I think so. It's a constant conversation that I have with people. You know, the, the question just keeps getting asked, when am I going to start living? It's a weird question to ask, but I mean, I've even asked it myself, when am I going to start living? Because I'm always just hopping for the next promotion, the next big thing at work. If I can just get here, I'll be happy. And then, and then the level changes. So uh, I think this resonates with a lot of people. And it does, it does change every time. Whatever raise you get, you think is going to solve your problem. Whatever job you think is going to be the title where you're finally happy, the house you buy that is finally the one where you'll feel comfortable, like all of that stuff always just creates more question and more possibility of what's the next thing? Where's, where's my next hit of happiness going to come from? It's when you can turn your eyes around and look inside. If you can focus there and figure things out there, and that's truly where it comes from is the inside. It's not what you have externally and not what other people are thinking. And while I do like toys, <laughs> they don't they don't sustain happiness. Looking inside without an instruction manual can be daunting. It can seem like a big challenge, but luckily we found somebody who wrote an instruction manual. His name is Steve Cook. He is the author of Life and Air, An Uncommon Approach to Wealth, Success, and Prosperity. We had a chance to talk with him just the other day, and we started by asking him, what is a life and air? You think of the word millionaire, a millionaire or billionaire, somebody who has a lot of money and, you know, much of America is really striving to that, to have that because they think that achieving that is going to be what leads to a great life. But we've come to realize differently that, you know, as, as what we do at Life Nair, as we coach and help a lot of people who have made a lot of money, but they don't have a life. And what they really want is to have that abundant life. And we refer to that as a life and somebody who lives and experiences an abundant life. Let's dive right into the details. What is it about these wealthy people who, what are they missing from their lives? What have they, what did they do wrong? Well, I think that what happens is so many people, uh, just about everybody I come across wants to be successful. The question is what does success really mean? And we live in a culture that says, you know, go out there, do more, make more, build something bigger or something like that, that, you know, the more of that that you do, the more successful you are. And I was guilty of that myself. I started building my business and built a really good successful business but then i started looking around me and i was starting to fail at everything else i was failing at home i was failing with my marriage i was failing as a father and as i was helping other people to build businesses i saw the same thing started to happen and then i was honest with myself i said this isn't the way it's supposed to be and all these people when they came to me and they asked me to help them to be successful they all originally told me well i want to provide more for my family I want to be able to have a great life. I want to spend more time with them. And the exact opposite was happening. And I realized something needed to change. 
That's one of the concepts that you talk about is the, the idea of uh, balance as we know it being pretty much nonsense. It's, it's not the, the thing that we're constantly striving for that, that perfect day where everything's in alignment and everything goes the way it's supposed to just isn't possible. It's not reality. So how do we create a sense of balance that is a little bit more healthy than the one that we are told that we should chase after? It is something you might experience it for a day or so here or there, but to experience it consistently day after day for the rest of your life is not realistic. You know, I think uh, for what we do at Life is we really help people to develop a vision for their life. They need a baseline of what is balanced. Most people never take the time to really think about what they actually want their lives to look like. And that's the majority of the people who do come to us. They know what they want their financial picture to look like. They know what they want their business to look like but they have no idea and have never taken the time to think about what do I want my life to look like? So we help them to develop a vision for their life. And, you know, at the end of the day, it seems as though that the success formula for most people in the United States is build up a successful business and then fit life into what's available. And we do the exact opposite. We say, no, we're going to live life and we're going to build and design a business to fit into what's left. But it all starts with the vision. It's knowing what do I want my life to look like? And then that becomes your baseline for knowing whether or not, you know, how far out of balance you are. But when you don't have that, most people end up just knowing they don't like where they're at. It doesn't feel good, but they don't even know where to go with it. They, they just know something needs to be fixed, but they don't even know where, what direction to go because it, it, they never took the time to think about, here's what, what I want to be. This is the person I want to be. This is how I want my life to look. Being in that spot myself a few years ago, I was very stuck. I didn't know what to do. I knew something was wrong. I was making plenty of money and I still wasn't happy. Things weren't working right. When people are in that moment and they don't know what to do and they don't know what next steps to take, what are some of the questions that, that they can ask themselves to try and help find that vision? Well, I think that's really just sitting down, being honest. And we do take people through a vision writing process and, and, uh, and we don't have to coach everyone, but it is, you know, what do you want out of life? And, and we, ha- we have them address all different parts of life. You know, what do you want your family situation to look like? What do you want your marriage to look like? Your health, your spirituality, your hobbies. But we have them focusing on everything but money, on everything but their career. And we ask them to ask those questions of themselves as if you had all the money in the world and money was of no object, how would you live life? And the interesting thing is when people do write out what they want their life to look like, and then they look at it, if they were living the ideal life, most of what they want to do doesn't cost anything. Yet they put it off until one day when they have more. And so they have this realization that I could actually have almost everything I want today. I just have to choose to start doing it. And you know, coming up with that vision is all important. I mean, when they have that vision, many people are able to take it and run and they have that realization, I can make it happen. But most people just end up surrounding themselves with the same people that they've been surrounding themselves with and find it very difficult to actually make the change. They know that, okay, I've got this vision. This is powerful. Nothing great has ever happened without there first being a vision first. And, you know, I always tell people, if you want to live a great life, you need a vision of what that great life looks like. And, and you can get there. I'll tell you why the reason I started coaching was very selfish from the perspective. I couldn't find anybody who wanted to live the way I wanted to live. And I started coaching people just to surround myself with others <laughs> who were on the same path because it made it easier for me now that I had other people around me doing it. And uh, if I was going to help them with it, I had to hold myself accountable to the things I was teaching them. 
So it's not easy. It, it sort of goes against the grain because the culture we live in says, what do you mean you're working less? The good news is that most of the people who come through with us work less, but make more. And it's not a matter of necessarily sacrificing income. In some cases they do, but it's usually a choice to work less, but to live more is what it really boils down to. You, you mentioned a couple of times that, that this is going against the grain. This is against our, our culture, probably against a lot of our sort of social programming, a lot of what we, a lot of our limiting beliefs. So I imagine that your clients must hit brick walls along the way. I have the vision. I know what I want. It's great. But then the water heater went out or I got fired or, or whatever happens and it can throw people off and sometimes just falling into bad habits. So how do you coach someone through those roadblocks when they come up to make sure that they stay on the path toward that vision that they've written down? Well, the, the good news, particularly when it's a coaching situation, is we always encourage people to be in this for the long haul. I mean, first of all, we're, we encourage people, if you're going to join coaching, don't, don't think about doing it for less than two years. And it's a series of little steps. We have lived a certain way for many, many years, making little decisions that brought us to where we were. And it's a lot of little decisions to get us back out. Uh, sometimes it's one big decisions and people's lives are transformed relatively quickly, but that's not necessarily the norm. They have a lot of unwinding to do, but being around other people and seeing how their lives are changing is what usually encourages others to start doing the same thing. If you're on Facebook and you're just listening to people complain and, you know, oh, the hot water heater, oh yeah, mine went out last week too. And oh, it, 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 that's not going to get you moving in the right direction. But, you know, again, it is just really staying focused on here's the life I want. I'm going to take one small step toward living that life today. And, you know, I, I love saying if you take one small step every day in a year's time, you took 365 steps. Life's going to look different than it did a year ago if you just take one little step each day toward the life that you want to live. So earlier when you were talking about vision, and I want to keep coming back to that because I know I struggled so hard with defining my own vision. It struck me as interesting because I never thought about it the way you mentioned, like where money is no object, right? If money is no object, what would you do? That's such an interesting way to look at it that really kind of helps you define that vision better. I have to imagine that some people, you say, what is your vision? And they can't tell you thinking money's no object, they still can't tell you. What are some of the questions that you ask people or that we should be asking ourselves that are the really hard questions that really give us those aha moments that really help us out there? Yeah. And that, and that is a phenomenal point because a, a significant portion of the people in the room struggle with that when we do walk them through that process. I'll share one quick story and then come back to the question. But, uh, you know, I have two, uh, Two people who I work with today who, when they went through this process, they couldn't come up with anything. And, you know, one of them, uh, the only thing that he could write down, and this is after three days, the only thing that he could write down was, I want to get down to working three days a week. That was it. And mm -hmm. he was so busy working all the time that he couldn't even dream. He couldn't think about what he wanted out of life. But I just want to share just how powerful it is. About a year later, this guy called me up. And he said, Steve, I wanted to know if I could come on out and see you. And he brought his workbook with him and he showed me his workbook. And he said, this is the only thing I wrote in there that I just want to get down to three days a week. And he said, that's happening this week. And I'm going to get down to three days a week. And now I'm ready to figure out what to do with my life. 
But I just share that to say that was the only thing he could write down. But because he took the time to write it down, it happened. Mm-hmm. And he was able to make that happen. Then we were able to start dreaming. And now he could go back and contemplate some of those other questions. We do things, you know, like, you know, writing your eulogy and stuff like that. But the, that is really helping people to get in touch with who they want to be, what do they want to be known for. But one of the most powerful questions, especially for somebody who has kids, whether it's selfishness that gets in the way or they just don't know what it is that they want, we have people write out, what do you want your kids' lives to look like? What kind of life do you want them to experience? And they can talk about that a whole lot easier than they can talk about themselves or what it is that they want. And once they can tell us what they want their kids' lives to look like, then I say, well, guess who needs to live that life? Because somebody has to show them. And now that's the life that you need to pursue. Because if you don't show them how to do it, nobody else is going to. And so that, that's one of, the, one of the pretty powerful questions that we'll ask people. And it really opens them up to thinking in ways that they weren't able to before. Why is it easier for us to imagine something better for others than for ourselves? Why can't we just have that, that own self-awareness to, to make those decisions for ourselves? It's, you know, it, it's, that's an interesting question. And I think it really just boils down to a feeling of selfishness. You know, we fall into this day-to-day living that we're doing things for others all the time. And, you know, I think quite often when I sit here and I ask people, they, uh, especially women, when they're in the, in the room, women will say, I can't sit there and think about, you know, that what I want to do for me. I'm, I'm so busy taking care of my husband and my kids. It just seems wrong that, you know, I would take a day off for myself and they struggle with that. And I think that's, that's the good side of us. I mean, it's, it's the, our desire to want to be there for others and to serve others and, and to do that. But that can get tiring. Sometimes, you know, we need to do something for ourselves so that we're better for others. But the kids are, most everyone says, I'm doing what I'm doing for my kids in the first place. Uh, many times they're misguided with that. They never ask their kids what the ki- you know, what do you want me to do? Uh, and, you know, dad thinks that the kids want him to go to work more often and make more money. And the kid's like, no, I'd rather you stay home <laughs> and, and spend some time with me. But they all know what they want for their kids. And that's why I think it's a good question. They, they do what they do, believing it's the right thing. But once I take them through that process of explaining it and writing it down, then I say, well, now you have to do it. Because if you don't do it, no one else is going to show them how to live that life. That is pretty powerful. Like as, as I'm sitting here thinking of how I am my own worst critic and I have constant imposter syndrome and I'm never good enough and things aren't great. You know, it is really hard for me to come up with those things, but the minute you said, think about your kids, like, you know, I had a dozen ideas of what kind of life my kid could live and, and how I could help her, um, how I was helping her last night. So, I mean, that that's an incredibly powerful tip you just shared. I, I, th- I think that's really amazing. But your, your business, like you have a book, you have an app, you have a website. There's, I think the shorter list is going to be like, where aren't you guys, right? You do, you do live in-person sessions and, and retreats. So can you tell me a little bit more about like all the different mediums that you guys use to deliver this information and coach people and how that all works and especially how it's working in the last, you know, 12 months with COVID? It might seem uh, more complicated than what it really is. You know, ultimately there's the book and and the book was something, I mean, this book took me uh, about nine years to write and it was a book that I wanted to get just right. And I was living and experiencing it myself. Uh, it's written as a business allegory that people can relate to. 
but uh, the book really is something that people can relate to. When they read it, they can see themselves in it. It makes them want to change their life. The editor of the book, uh, who, when I had given it to her, she called me to let me know that she was finished editing it. And I said, well, I'm going to make some more changes. I'll be getting those over to you. And she said, Steve, I don't know who you are. I never heard of Life in Air before. You hired me to edit your book, and I'm ready to change the way that I live after having edited your book. Wow. And she said, Steve, don't hold it back anymore. Get it out there to the world. They need to hear it. And uh, so she was the one who pushed me over the edge. Otherwise, I'd probably still be writing it today. <laughs> but uh, but the, you know, the next step in the process is for people who want help with writing their vision, we bring them out to, uh, we do a workshop and it's a live workshop and we just take them through this whole process. And the goal is at the end of the retreat, you are walking out of there with a vision for your life and an action plan to begin to start moving in that direction and, and living life. As far as the app and our, our community and through the website, um, that's really just trying to bring uh, other like-minded people together. It's a community where you can just participate in. It's a free community to participate in. Uh, but then there's those who decide they want to go one more level. They, they want coaching. They need help with this. And they're really serious about it. And, you know, the majority of the people who we do coach are entrepreneurial, small business owners. They're very driven. And they realized that, you know, the cost of their success was more than they wanted to pay. And mm -hmm. they now want help. They, they, wanna, they want a good business, but at the same time, they don't want to neglect their family uh, while building that business. And, and that's our area of specialty. We do a, a really good job of, of helping them and then redesigning their business to serve the life that they want to live um, rather than helping them to you know, keep going down the path that they were on and making more money and potentially losing everything that's important to them. You mentioned uh, people walking away with a vision and an action plan. And I, I want to put a really fine point on this because too often in, in sort of the self-help space, when it comes to having a vision, people are told, have a vision and my God, it will just fly in the window and land in your lap. It's more than that. You That's the end goal, but you have to actually take action to achieve that vision, right? hundred percent. And, you know, oftentimes, you know, a vision, like I said, is a very powerful thing. And I shared the story of the guy who just wrote, you know, get down to three days a week. Um, he just wrote that down. I have no idea how many times he looked at that, whether there was an action plan. And, and so the point that people say, you know, just put a, just write it and it'll happen. That, that's not always the case. And sometimes the, the, the problem with the vision is people are overwhelmed by their own vision it feels bigger than what they can do. And so what we do in helping them to develop the action plan is really working on, well, what are the first steps that we can take? Let's not look at the big picture because yes, it is intimidating. It is overwhelming. And you know, some of those things are easy, but some of them are big. And instead of focusing on the big thing, which is going to make you take a step back and say, you know what, I can never have that. Well, what can we do today? What can we do this week? that will get you closer to that. And then next week, we're going to revisit what's the next step that you can take. And then, uh, you know, things that people think are going to take five or 10 years to happen in their lives typically happen in six months to, you know, a year. And, and we see people's lives completely transformed in a relatively short period of time, just because they started taking the steps. But that's the key to that action plan is giving them small actionable steps that they can actually take right now. Do, do a lot of people have visions that just aren't realistic? I mean, do you run across many people that are just that I'm sorry, that happens to one in 3 million people lower the bar. Does that, is that a reality? 
Oh, I never tell anybody to lower the bar. Um, it, it's their vision. And, and you know, the, that's one thing I'm very, very careful of is to not write people's visions for them. Uh, you know, we always point out that, listen, the world has already written your vision. You've been living somebody else's vision for your life, whether it's trying to impress your parents, your high school buddies or your college friends or, you know, you're comparing yourself to somebody else. It's time for you to make the rules for your life. And and the, this vision needs to be yours. And so regardless of what somebody puts in their vision, our goal is to help them to get there. And then we, you know, we'll help them with developing the action plan to get whatever it is that they want. We let them come to the conclusion sometimes that it's unrealistic, um, that this is not what I really want. And we do see people go through different phases of their vision. Um, sometimes uh, it, their first phase of writing their vision is usually what they want. And it's the things and the stuff. And uh, shortly thereafter, they start switching to what do they want to experience. And, you know, and we see this, this progression. And then after they've been through experiencing a bunch of things, their vision usually transform into who's the person that they want to become. And, uh, and then finally they end up, you know, how do I want to give back? How do I want to make a difference? And we, we oftentimes just see that progression and some people move through that very quick um, as far as their vision, but we want that to be a process of self-discovery. We don't write that for them. And our goal is regardless of what their vision is, we'll challenge them. And we'll ask them, why do you want that? So as a quick example, I did have a guy that uh, young wanted a, wanted a boat and he wanted a 42 foot Sea Ray boat to be specific. And I said, well, how much does that boat cost? And he said, well, it's about $550,000. And I, so I thought, okay, this is, <laughs> this is going to be hard. And so I said, you know, do you really want to own this boat? He said, yeah, what's wrong with me having the boat? I said, there's nothing wrong with having the boat. And as I dug deeper, I said, well, what do you want the boat for? What, what are you trying to accomplish with the boat? And he sat there and he thought about it for a little bit. And he said, you know, I remember one time when I was 19 years old, I got invited to go out on a boat with some people. And that day was just an incredible day. We all just had a ball. And, uh, and he said, I remember the guy who had that boat, the one who invited us all out. I just wanted to be like him. And I wanted to be, I wanted to be that provider of fun that he provided for everybody else. And then and I said to him, I said, so what you want to do is you want to be the provider of fun. You don't necessarily need to own the boat. I said, so is there another way? I said, what could you rent that boat for? He said, I don't know. I could probably rent that boat for about $2,000 a day. I said, well, how long is it going to take for you to get the 550000 you need to buy that boat? He said, oh, probably a very long time. I said, how long is it going to take for you to come up with 2000 to rent the boat for the day? He said, well, I could do that this weekend. <laughs> I said, so you're putting off living life, doing the thing that you really want is to be the provider of fun. You could do that this weekend. And so in challenging him, he came to realize, you know what? It's not the boat that I want. And, and what I really want to do is just be able to create those opportunities to have fun and make memories and stuff with my friends. And I'm able to do that right now. I don't need to wait till someday that might have never come. And I'm sure that leads to, oh, I don't need a half a million dollar boat. I need a $400 bouncy house, like in order to provide that fun, right? Exactly. That I can rent and have somebody else set it up and take it away. And That's key. You mentioned earlier how these visions are, they take less time than we originally, you know, think they will. And I, I 
can certainly say that I fall for that. I mean, in just everyday things, right? I estimate something's going to take me two hours and it takes me four minutes, but because it's two hours, I procrastinate it for three weeks. Mm-hmm. But I am curious, you know, I, I, so there, you just gave us one example, but you know, I'd love to hear a couple of examples that stick out in your head of, of a vision that somebody wrote down and then got there in, in way less time than they thought they would get there. Well, I'll tell you, oftentimes it revolves around travel. You know, we live in a world that, hey, let's face it, it's get out of school, go get a job, work hard for 30 to 40 years, make enough money, and then retire, and then you get to travel the world. And, you know, unfortunately, we all think that just because that's what we see, it's the way most of the world that we're, that surrounds us is living, that that's when you get to live life. That's when you get to start doing things. And we challenge people with it and we say, well, why? Why do we have to wait that long? I mean, first of all, that day might never come for us. And what a shame that would be if, you know, we work 30, 40 years and then that's it. It's over. We never got to really enjoy it. But why can't we enjoy that today? And so for me, and one of the ways that I really challenge myself is I want to experience that with my kids. I want to experience it right here and right now. So I'll, I'll share a quick story since you wanted a specific one. I have a, a guy, the first time that he came to me, he was 28 years old and uh, very, very driven, married, uh, had two kids at the time. His wife was ready to divorce him. And uh, when, I, the, when I had met him, and he didn't tell me that, I found out from her later. But he came and I was really challenging him. And he wanted to just get bigger and better with his business. He wanted to do more. And she was already feeling disconnected, like this was going in the wrong direction. Well, when he came to me, I was telling him to focus on doing things in his business that would free up more of his time. And he came home from the event and his wife said, okay, so what'd you learn this time? And he said, he told me to work less and to spend more time with my family. And she said, really? I want to know what I want to hear more about this. And, <laughs> and so uh, they actually came out to one of our workshops a few weeks later and they brought some friends with them. And that was just a transformational event for them. It completely turned their lives around. Uh, they're one of the greatest couples that you'd want to see, but he was working and working and working and working, hoping that someday, you know, he'd uh, make enough money to where they'd be able to retire and they would be able to travel. Well, he's 33 years old today. Uh, they spend six months of the year on the road traveling. Most of the time, they uh, I support a, a mission, a school down in Guatemala, but he has become extremely involved with that. They are spending anywhere from four to six months out of the year in Guatemala They've adopted, they've had another child and adopted three kids. They have six kids. They travel all around the world. He's actually now the president of that uh, nonprofit. But uh, the whole point with all of that is this was a kid who was doing the same things that his parents had done. And it was work, work, work. So someday I could enjoy life. Uh, After he had been to my event, about six months later, his uh, father comes to my event. And this gentleman comes walking up to me and he just says, hello, my name's Kurt. I'm here to find out what happened to my son. And uh, he said, because we're in business together and he used to work all the time. And every time, you know, we, we would sit there and do things. Now he doesn't seem to have time to, to work. He still gets his job done, but he's spending all this time with his family. And I want to know what happened to him. And, uh, and to make a, a long story short, uh, this transformation with him was so much that his father's life is completely transformed. His mother is a coach for life and air today. And he just that one person, it was just transforming everything within his life. But 
they're a couple who is in their early 30s who spends more than half the year traveling. And they came to realize that if we want to travel, we just need to structure our lives in such a way that we can do that and not buy into the lie that we have to be 50, 60 years old when we do that. And he really bought into one thing that I really love. I want to travel, but I want to experience it with my kids. I don't want to, when I'm 60 years old and then they're grown ups with their own family, send them postcards and tell them how great traveling is. I want them to experience it with me today. So uh, my 15 year old's probably been to 31 different countries at this point in, in traveling with us. And, and uh, my 10 year old's probably been to about 12 to 14. So wow. That's we amazing. want them to experience the same things. That's so great. All right. So I'm, I'm ready to unplug from the matrix. I'm ready to, to follow your advice and, and create a vision for my life. Where do I find out more about this and, uh, and get your help and, and uh, your free book? Start out with reading the book. And, you know, whenever, even when people do just come to me and say, Steve, I'd love to get coached by you. I say, before you even do that, read the book, go to one of the events, make sure it's a good fit for you. Um, it's not going to even cost you anything for the book. You can go to lifenair.com and download a free copy of the book. Um, our goal is to just get the message out there. Um, I've been very blessed. We've had a great life, but the more people I can get to read this book and, and, uh, it does a great job of communicating the whole message and whether or not somebody wants to take additional steps after that, they can make that decision after, you know, having read the book and experienced more of who we are and what we do. Well, it's important work you're doing and, uh, appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today and, uh, and best of luck uh, moving forward. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay, our thanks to Steve Cook. He is the author of Life and Air, An Uncommon Approach to Wealth, Success, and Prosperity. So many great stories there of uh, folks that he has helped with his principles. And the one that keeps playing out in my head, Zach, is the the guy with the boat. I, I could not love that story more of the guy who has this big dream of one day having a half million dollar boat, what, 30, 40 years from now, when he's too old to enjoy it, when he can just yeah. go rent one this weekend... And, and create that fun for the people around him like uh, like he hopes to do someday. That is such a trap that we all get stuck in is, is someday at, at the end of this, when I'm done with all of my hard work, I'll finally be able to live my life. It definitely resonated. And the other, the other piece that resonated to me was, you know, like, what would you do if you had, if money was no object, right? If, mm -hmm. if you had unlimited money, I wouldn't own a boat. That's for sure. I'd go rent one. <laughs> right. I wouldn't own one. It's, it's just a really interesting and different way to look at things because we don't think that way. We definitely think like, I have this goal and this is exactly what I want and I need to get to it. But there's other ways to get there. There's other ways to make that happiness within yourself. And it's easy to, to dismiss your instinct too. I, for me, for years, I, I've sort of asked, maybe not in, in those specific words of if money was no object, but but sort of a you know, if you could just do whatever you wanted every day, what would you do? And I would think, oh, I, you know, I would do the podcast. I would just do that every day and and just share that sort of uh, my thoughts on all that stuff every day. That's what I would do. And I go, well, since that's not realistic, what am I really going to do? And it's so easy to overlook that sort of first gut reaction because it's, it does often seem like a pipe dream. It does. But I mean, if that's truly what's going to make you happy, then maybe you can figure out an uncommon approach to get there. Right, right. And and I think that's where, you know, what he outlines in the book is so interesting is 
sort of that roadmap of, of self-reflection and looking at what is really important to you. And maybe the thing you think would make you happy isn't the thing, but thinking it through, writing down that path can really start to open up your eyes to other ideas. This is something, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, this is something I've, I've alluded to a few times that my family's looking at moving uh, to Canada. And it's, it's so interesting how a, a lot of when I do write down, what do I want out of this move? A lot of what's there, I already have. And I think that's why it's such a conflict for me is because I, while in one way I'm pursuing more, I want better, I want something more than what I have. It's, it's the big picture stuff that, that moving to that country has to offer that I don't see in my front yard. When I'm, when I'm hanging out with my kids and the bouncy house is going and it's a lovely sunny day, it's really easy to go, what, what am I, why am I leaving? Why do I want to leave this place? But yeah. then, but then other elements will creep in just the social things that are happening in our country, things that happen right outside my door at night. Like th there's, there's things about where I live that I don't enjoy. So it's, it is easy to want to give up on sort of the end goal. And that's where what he talks about with, with the vision is so important is to have that sort of bigger, better offer that, that big goal that you're working toward because the small things and getting tired and whatever obstacles come up, those are going to make it really easy to want to quit and to make the path a lot more difficult along the way. And wanting to quit. It's so hard to fight against that temptation. I fight it every day on some level, whether it's what I'm eating, how hard I'm working out or not working out. I wake up ready to take on the day and I get out my journal and I write out all this stuff six or seven o'clock comes around and, and my brain's exhausted, my body's exhausted. And it, that's when it's really easy to just throw in the towel and go, ah, what's the point? But again, like taking it apart to figure out what it is that truly makes you happy will help you in that arena. So my whole life had been, had been around my career until through a choice of my own, I switched to a new job and you know, my self identification with my career was gone and I had to really go deep and figure out what was important to me. And, you know, that got me to the point where I could say, well, family is the number one thing for me, mm -hmm. which means number two needs to be health because I need to stay around yeah. long enough for my family, which means number three has to be work so I can provide for my family. But it really just allowed me to prioritize the important things, knowing that those things are going to make me happy, like true happiness, right? Because it's rare that a job that you that you don't think about actually makes you happy. So today in my world, like I'm relatively happy with everything that I do because I'm doing it for the right reasons. I'm not doing it for, to have the nicer car or the bigger house. I'm doing it so that I can spend more time with my family. That's that sounds familiar to me too because for so often my ego was wrapped up in my job, a job that I sort of fell into and you know, and got good at and established a reputation and all that. But I also added a lot of stress to that. I mean, the, the amount of uh, anxiety and, and stuff that I put myself through for a job got to a point where it was unreasonable and got to a point where I needed therapy. And finding the therapist I did literally turned my life around. He yeah. introduced me to meditation. It got me into a, a situation where I started biking all the time. It just put me on this path to wellness. And it was so funny I remember the first time that I went to work after having uh, been meditating for a while 
And one of the things that would normally trigger me triggered me to instead go and meditate for a minute. It just like I went and sat outside and just meditated for like five minutes and whatever would have normally just sent me on a spiral for days. I was able to just let go in that moment. And ever since then, work is just this thing I have to do. Like I very rarely get caught up in whatever stress comes with it. Um, but because I was able to go, this is not important enough to damage my body and to yeah. damage my mental health. Uh, I, I was able to reevaluate and and that has put me on the trajectory that has me now doing this with you, trying to share these ideas and trying to help other people experience some of the growth that that I've experienced. It's amazing what happens when you can reframe it in a positive, healthy way. The changes that that'll come forth. It, it, it's just amazing. Yeah. Well, I don't know that I would uh, necessarily qualify us both as life and heirs yet, but that does seem to be the path that we're on. Uh, certainly uh, closer to that than a millionaire, at least in my case. So uh, if, if you would like to learn more about what Steve Cook uh, teaches through his courses and through his book, the website is linked on our website, thefitmess.com, uh, or you can just go to lifeandair.com. And before we get out of here, I want to say thank you to our sponsor, The Athletic Brewing Company. I've, I've been running lately, Zach. I've been going for some runs. It's part of my new routine. And What are you running from? Oh, what am I? It's a long They're list. Bears. We'll do that on a, we'll do that on another episode. Uh, but I've been going for runs and the run wild from athletic brewing company is a great way to finish my run because there's no alcohol and there's lots of nutritional benefits to drinking non-alcoholic beers as part of your recovery plan. You can find out more about them on our website, thefitmess.com. And while you're there, subscribe to the newsletter so you never miss a thing that is related to the show and subscribe on whatever podcast player you are listening to right now. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back next Wednesday at thefitmess.com. See you, everyone. We know this podcast is amazing and doesn't seem to lack anything, but we need a legal disclaimer. Prior to implementing anything discussed in this podcast, it is your responsibility to conduct your own research and consult your physician. You should assume that Jeremy and Zach don't know what they're talking about, and they're not liable for any physical or emotional issues that occur directly or indirectly from listening to this podcast.